Praise the Lord. It's warming up in here. Sorry it was cold. I don't know what was going on with the heater this morning, but it's warm now. So we are in lesson 12 of the study of the book of Hebrews. Last week we left off in chapter 4 and verse 9. I want to read it again. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we looked at this double-edged sword last week. We compared it to the fall of Adam and how paradise is guarded by a sword that's flashing back and forth, guarding the way to the tree of life. So we focused on this sword last week, and what we're going to focus on today is the way, the way to the tree of life. In Hebrew, the way is haderach. It means uh, the way, because... We're going to focus on it today because not only do you have to get through the sword that's flashing back and forth, you have to know the way there. Amen? You see, the question for you and the question for all who fear God is which way will you go? What is the way to the tree of life? You know, the first century believers knew the way. In fact, that's what they called themselves. If we look at Acts chapter 9... Verses 1 and 2, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them prisoners to Jerusalem. They were the followers of the way. They believed that they had found the way back to the rest, to Gani Din, to the paradise of God. They believed the message of Yochanan, called the baptizer, and the Messiah. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was the message of Yochanan. He prepared the way, as Isaiah says in chapter 40, verse 3. He says, a voice of one calling In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley will be raised up. Every mountain will be made low. Rough ground shall be leveled and rugged places a plain. For the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It tells us, prepare the way. And we see valleys will be raised and mountains will be made low and rough will become smooth. In other words, everything's going to be changed. And that's the way for us as well. We need change. We need to repent, to turn and walk in a new direction. That's the direction. That direction has to be the way. So how do we find the way? Well, remember last week we looked at the sword, and and in Hebrew it was the word chereb. And then we looked at the Torah where it was given on Mount Horeb. And we looked at how they were really the same word if you looked at them in a Torah scroll. And so, of course, the rabbis determined that the way was Torah. 
And we can see this in a tradition. I think we looked at it last week, but we'll look at it again. The mountain of God called Horeb and the Mount Sinai. Why is it called Horeb? Because there on the Torah was called a sword, Horeb. Given as it says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. And so one problem, one opinion, I mean, yesterday and today, is to observe Torah. That's the way. The problem with observing Torah, though, is not so simple. There are many ways to observe Torah, but the most important reason that it's not so simple is that the Torah is based around the tabernacle and the temple. How can you keep Torah if Torah requires atonement be made by the offerings of the temple of God? And since there is no temple, then keeping Torah has an overwhelming problem, right? The problem is also that this sword is flashing back and forth, cutting down all who are without a pure heart. Because nothing impure can enter into the presence, into the kingdom, into the rest of God. The Torah requires offerings, and particularly the Yom Kippur offerings, to maintain that purity. And we can see this in the story of the author of much of modern-day Judaism, Yochanan ben Zakkai. When the temple was destroyed, he started a tradition that the offerings could be replaced by good deeds. Or we could say works of the Torah and prayers. That was the answer to the no temple dilemma. They would replace the offerings. In the story of his life, it records that in his heart of hearts, though, he was not so sure. And we've looked at the long version of this before, not too long ago, as a matter of fact. So I'm going to read just what he says in the Talmud. It says, Wherefore weepest thou, his disciples ask? And Yochanan replied, If I were being taken today before a human king, who is here today and tomorrow is in the grave, whose anger, if he is angry with me, does not last forever, who, if he imprisons me, does not imprison me forever, And who, if he puts me to death, does not put me to everlasting death. And whom I can persuade with words and a bribe with money. Even so, I would weep. Now that I'm being taken before the supreme king of kings, the holy one, blessed be he, who lives and endures forever and ever, whose anger, if he's angry with me, is an everlasting anger. Who, if he imprisons me, imprisons me forever. Who, have put, who, if he puts me to death, puts me to death forever. And whom I cannot persuade with words or a bribe with money. Nay, more, when there are two ways before me, one leading to paradise and the other to Gehenna. And I don't know by which I shall be taken. Shall I not weep? You see, here's one of the most respected men of all time in the Jewish faith who started to compile the Mishnah. And on his deathbed, he's left weeping and wondering which way the sword would swing for him. For one of the foremost authors of Judaism, the Torah he loved, the Torah he kept, without the temple and the atonement it provided, it gave him no confidence in the way that he had traveled through this life, 
and the way he would go in the next. And so rabbinic thought would be, would have been, is keeping Torah. And certainly the Torah does guard the way that the book of Hebrews tells us that they're correct. The writer of Hebrews says the word of God is the sword. It's like a double-edged sword. And it will keep you from the tree of life. Violation of Torah is sin. Paul makes that clear. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, he says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the Torah. However, the Torah is too good. And by the very words of the Torah, everyone to a person will be cut down because of violations of its laws cannot be atoned for without the temple. Without the offerings. So keeping Torah will leave you as Yochanan, wondering which way you're going to go. A lifetime of deliberately choosing what he thought was the right path each and every juncture of life. A lifetime of walking the same road the same way his forefathers had walked. A lifetime of keeping and teaching Torah. But without the temple and the offerings for atonement at the end of his life, at the end of the way he had chosen, he did not know the way to the tree of life. He did not know which blade of the sword was going to swing his way. He was about to try to pass through to the tree of life and he did not know if the sword was going to cut him down or allow him to pass. Had he done enough? Had he been kind enough, honest enough, compassionate enough? He did not know. No confidence about what was to come. No confidence about the outcome of his life. No confidence in the ways of his fathers. When push came to shove on his deathbed, he was fearful and tearful. Well, friends, as we just read, the disciples knew the way. In fact, they called themselves the way. They had no such feelings. They were confident of passing through the gate because they had found the way. The writer of Hebrews says this, if you know the way, if you are part of the way, you'll not lie down on your deathbed shedding fearful tears. He says in chapter 6, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It, entered, it, enters, into this, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Yeshua, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You see, Yeshua has already passed through. He's already, he's already entered into the gate, into the sanctuary, as the high priest entered each Yom Kippur with incense and offerings. In other words, he's gone through the gate, right to the tree of life. He's gone through. He knows the way. And if you follow him and rely on his atonement, he can lead you through as well. You see, Yeshua is able to do what the Torah alone could not do. What the Torah could not do, even with all of its additions by the rabbis, the oral Torah. The way, that way left you in tears on your deathbed, but Yeshua leaves you with something else. That's the record of Yochanan ben Zakkai's death, but we have a record for us of the last words of one of Yeshua's disciples. One of the, not the disciple, but a disciple of Yeshua. It says this in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, but Stephen, 
full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Yeshua standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, he covered his eyes and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of the young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Yeshua, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. No weeping for himself here because he knew the way. And the way was open to him. The way was standing at the gate at the right hand of God, ready to receive him. And notice that he's standing. He's not sitting in judgment. He's standing ready to help him in. Bring him in. He has his right hand reached out to Stephen. All we see from Stephen is a concern for the lives of his persecutors, of those who put him to death. So what is the way? Why were, why were they called the followers of the way? Because they knew the way. They knew Yeshua. And what did they know that the rabbi did not? What did they know that left them so confident in the face of death by stoning, death by crucifixion, death by whatever means, even to living a long, long life like John and dying of old age? It's not what they knew, it's who they knew. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Yeshua answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know the Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. They knew the way, they knew Yeshua. It was not Torah and the Mishnah of Yochanan ben Zakkai, but they knew the word made flesh. Acts chapter 24 verse 14 says, However, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that agrees with the Torah and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive Always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. You see, the way is Yeshua, and the way embraces Torah as part of the way. The way agrees with everything that's written in there. It's what we use to keep our consciences clean. Following its instructions, keep our consciences clean. It tells us if we're hitting or missing the mark. We need to use it so that our lives will be a reflection of the life of Messiah. But the way of Yeshua gives you more. It gives you the atonement that the Torah cannot. Abraham made it through the gate. He, can take us, he can't take us through the gate, but he can show us the way to find the gate if we just read a little bit of his life. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 18 says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all the nations on the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. 
so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. You know, Abraham didn't have the Torah, but Abraham knew the way. God chose him because he would teach Isaac and Jacob the way. The way of the Lord is always doing what is right and just, but what is right and just is the result of walking in the way. By the leading of the Spirit of God. The sword is the word. And the passage through requires the living word. Listen to what Genesis chapter 15 says. And the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your body will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited him as righteousness. You see, the way is to trust God, to believe God. We have to trust the word we have heard, the great message that we have heard. Is it Torah? Well, that's not what Abraham is trusting in. That's not what he's believing in. The word of the Lord spoke to him, and he believed the word of the Lord. You know, that's the same thing that the writer of Hebrews tried to tell us, wasn't it? Let's go back to chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven and so became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. The words of Messiah are the way they will gain you entry into the kingdom of heaven. They will gain you entry into Ghani Din. And you enter if you hear his voice today, the writer of Hebrews says anyway. And he just didn't say it once. But he really wants us to understand, so he said it three times. In other words, he wants us to know that we can enter today if we hear his voice and obey his voice. We looked at this last week. Let's look at it again. Let's see what this double-edged sword is. And when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest, his head and hair were white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a double-edged sword. The word of God, the living word made flesh, is the way. And in order to pass by, you have to trust God's word. Yes, the master will lead you to Torah, but not Torah a la man, Torah a la Yeshua the Messiah, the radiance of God's glory. You see, you have to ask yourself, do you really trust his word? Do you really trust when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father, no one goes to Ghani Din, no one goes to paradise, except through me. If so, you can enter that rest today. 
You can hear his voice today. Do you trust these words? Do you really believe the words that we read? You've heard them a thousand times. Now tell me. Search your heart this morning and tell me if you really believe that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he had not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You see, we need to search our hearts. And, and as we search our hearts, do we really believe? Remember the story of Abraham, this man of trust who believed God. He lifted the knife to slay his son, even though everything in his life told him that his son would die on the altar, he would burn on the altar, and he'd never see his son again. He lifted his knife because he believed God had said, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. He believed God over everything that he had experienced in life, over his own senses. He believed God. So do you believe these words? I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes, him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth. The time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. You know, I have to laugh sometimes. I hear people say, you know, when you see this word here, it just means obey. Well, I beg your pardon. How do the dead obey? <laughs> right? It literally means hear. Do you believe those words as Abraham believed? Because if you believe those words and you have put all your trust in those words, then you might believe these words as well. Let's read this. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Do you believe those words? If you do, you'll never weep on your deathbed. I can tell you that. But there's more because God is not wanting you to wait for that deathbed. God is not wanting you to be just confident that you're going to go to heaven when you die. He wants you to enter that rest today. He wants you to hear his voice today. There's something else about this passage. And that is, I don't believe that it means obey. <laughs> Listen to what John chapter 20 verse 21 says. Again, Yeshua said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. You see, he's saying that the Father sent him and he's sending us, the disciples. The Father did not leave him alone. Yeshua said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. In other words, I'm not sending you alone. I'm not leaving you alone. I am in you, and you are in me. Receive you the Holy Spirit. Do you really believe those words, though? Do you really believe the words of Yeshua? Do you believe that this is available to you? 
as the Father was available to him? Do you really listen for the voice of Yeshua? Not certain about which way to go, what is the way? Well, the way is in you, and you're in him. Find a quiet place. Listen to the voice. Listen for the voice. Because today, if you hear your vo- his voice, you will find rest for your soul. Do you really believe the words of Yeshua? Listen to what he says in verse 25 of Matthew 11. At that time, Yeshua said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Yeshua speaking to a group of Torah-observant Jews, observant by the way of the traditions of their fathers, burdened by the way of the traditions of their fathers. He says, take my yoke. Take my teaching upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You'll find rest for your souls. Lay down your work. Everyone who enters God's rest must also rest from his own work. Trust the words of the messenger that's above all messengers. Today you can hear the voice. It doesn't mean just obey because, as I said, the dead can't obey. You have to hear the voice. Today you can hear the voice. And it's not just a feeling you get inside. It didn't say today if you feel the feeling, right? (laughs) It's not just inner direction. It doesn't say today if you get this inner witness. Today if you get the direction. It says today if you hear my voice. John chapter 14 verse 7. Verse 1 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. For in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And so how can we know the way? And Yeshua answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. We all know the way. And so the choice today is, do we walk in the way? Are we going to trust the words of Yeshua? Because there is no other way. And it's not just the words of the Bible. He's in you. You're in him. The question is, are you going to find a quiet place and begin to hear the voice of the master? Maybe you haven't heard the voice of the master before. Right? You've heard the message of Yeshua, but you haven't really heard the voice of the master. If so, I have a study for you. 
It's a study on prayer and hearing from the Lord. And I'm going to start it on February 6th. And I'll tell you what, if you put the time in and if you're hungry and you want to hear, then you're going to hear. Amen? Amen. Let's bring the worship team up.